Man, wrote anthropologist Lauren Isley several decades ago, is the cosmic orphan. He is the only creature in the universe who asks why. Other animals have instincts to guide them, but man has learned to ask questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Those are great questions. Questions that we've been pondering lately. Those awkward kind of questions that might assault us in the middle of the night as we awaken to what, 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 what's the purpose to all this? Those kinds of questions in an awkward moment when we wonder, is there really any method to this madness that we call life? It's just chaos sometimes. Over the last couple of months, we've spent some time looking for answers to life's difficult questions from the book of Ecclesiastes. Questions like, where can I find happiness and where am I going? Why am I here? How do I fit into God's plan? Why is my life so unfair? Why do I feel so alone? Why does my work seem so much like well work? Why is it so hard to manage my money? Why am I not healthy, wealthy, and wise? Well, almost 3,000 years ago, a king named Solomon wrote about his own search for answers to these same questions that we might find ourselves asking. Here's a guy who had it all, at least on the outside. He had wealth, he had power, he had women, he had smarts, but Solomon's soul was anorexic on the inside, even though he had everything together on the outside. He hunted for happiness, he searched for significance, he pursued pleasure, and he did it full on. He wrote about his life experiences, not as kind of a diary that he kept or a journal of what's happened in his life, but he wrote for others who came behind him, and that includes you and me, so that we might have a perspective of life that he gained through what he experienced. Here's what he wrote at the end of his book. Because the teacher was wise, he taught the people everything he knew. Indeed, the teacher taught the plain truth and did so in an interesting way. I like that. I like that. But right from the start, we've seen, as we've encountered the book of Ecclesiastes, that when you first read the book, it can seem kind of dark, kind of discouraging, kind of hopeless, as we're all bombarded by this meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And on and on he goes from there. Here's what he wrote in the first chapter. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. We can't get no satisfaction. Mick Jagger wrote a few years ago, that noted theologian once again. Right. Can't get no satisfaction. That's what Solomon said as kind of a conclusion here. Well, it doesn't end there. Uh, We're so busy, but so very bored. We craze stimulation over meditation. Our minds flitter about like we're channel surfing at warp speed. And it wakes us up at night, and throughout the day, we're just going, 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 going. We're restless in spirit, and this restlessness leads to frustration and frustration to discouragement and discouragement to an even darker place. It leads to anger, and that anger lurks just below the surface. And I believe, as I've noticed, life here in America, uh, we're an angry people, generally speaking. We're an angry people. Our world seems angry, and then it catches us by surprise 
when this anger comes out sideways and a kid begins shooting kids and stuff happens that we can't understand, but we're just angry and we don't know why we're angry. Our world is changing. Our world is becoming more angry all the time, as I see it. Few know why, few are content. You know what the Bible says we should be content with? Paul wrote this. What are we supposed to be content with? Food and clothing, we will be content. I wonder how many of us honestly could say, I am content with just having food and clothing. And so we begin to smack up against the teachings of Scripture, and it begins to challenge us to the depths of our soul. Am I really content? Why am I not content? Why is my spirit restlessness? Many of us have been taught we've got to go faster. We've got to jump higher. We've got to do it better. Bigger is better. Enough is never enough. You've got to work harder. You've got to get ahead. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to have more. You've got to acquire. You've got to possess Wow. Now, I would agree with you, life can be hard to figure out at times. Kind of makes you scratch your head and say, wow, what's going on here? I'm not quite sure. It makes sense that a terrorist would be killed by his own bomb. That makes sense to me. It makes sense that a reckless driver would be seriously injured in an accident that he caused. That makes sense. It makes sense that a three-pack-a-day smoker would get lung cancer. That makes perfect sense. But what about the innocent people who are blasted by the terrorist bomb. Those just happen to be in the area. What about the kid on the bike who was killed by the drunk as he veered over the center lane and took him out? What about the two-year-old with leukemia? Why? These are difficult things. These are difficult things. And more than a few would become discouraged and disillusioned and ultimately depressed. And we see it in our media. We see it in our music. And again, I go back to my ear of music. Uh, There was a group called the Beatles. Have you ever heard of them? The Beatles? No? (laughs) John Lennon, Paul McCartney wrote uh, some profound lines. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Doesn't have a point of view, knows not where he's going to. Isn't he a bit like you and me? Searching. Searching in the 60s. Searching today. You see, the hole in our soul that is there in each of us, knows no relief. So we try to numb ourselves and self-medicate so that we're not so concerned about the hole that's in our soul. And so we're addicted to drugs or work or sex or alcohol or technology or whatever else we're addicted to. And some would say ultimately, either outwardly through physical action or just kind of checking out in life, saying, I don't know if there's much purpose to any of this, really. I don't know if this is really even worth doing. Huh. Blake Shannon, part of our congregation, works in the ER at Memorial. He's going to school to become PA, and he wrote me some stuff, and uh, he's taking also a statistics class for becoming a physician's assistant. And his personal observation, here's what he wrote to me. He said, this year about one out of every hundred people in Sheboygan will go to the emergency room for a primary reason of depression, suicidal thoughts, or attempted suicide. Did you hear what I said? About one out of every hundred people will go to the ER for that reason in the course of a year. About one out of every 200 people in the Sheboygan area will actually have attempted suicide. (laughs) 
That's staggering to me. He wrote, I've seen suicidal eight-year-olds and suicidal 80-year-olds, teenagers, parents, husbands, wives, moms, dads, all of them. On average, one person dies from suicide every 10 hours in the state of Wisconsin. And that's just stuff we know about. Hmm, that'll lift you up, won't it? That'll encourage you. Hmm. There were two suicides a few weeks ago. One of them deeply impacted our youth rush ministry. And there were at least two others in February that were notable. And again, these are the only ones that we know about. You see, people come to this point where we say, is it even worth doing? And people who know Jesus come to the point where they say, even, I don't know if it's worth doing. And so it knows no boundaries. And there's this hole in our soul, and we wonder, what are we going to do with this thing? Give me some answers. This just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now again, it's been said that when every person, and I do agree with this, there is a God-shaped vacuum. He has designed us so that we might know him. And the only satisfaction is we can possibly come to us is if we are not just knowing him, but allowing him to love us and loving him in return because he first loved us. Only God can fill this hole in the soul. It's way too deep. And no matter what we put in there, it's just going to suck it up because it's too deep. How do I know? Because I've tried it and you've tried it too. I know that you have. Life is pointless except for God. That's the conclusion that Solomon reaches in this book. Apart from God, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. It might temporarily, and there might be some good days along the way, but ultimately, oh boy, only he can satisfy for the long haul. Only he can make sense of it all. Now, we started this journey in Ecclesiastes way back in the first Sunday of 2018. January 7th. And we started with the first message saying, we got to keep our eye on the prize. we got to know where we're headed. Right? So we went to the end of the book in order to understand what the rest of the book was all about. And again, I take us to the end of the story. And here's the end of the story. Here now is my final conclusion, Solomon wrote. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Wow, fear God, obey his commands. I like the way the message says it very succinctly. The last and final word is this. Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? And I believe that God has designed life to be far simpler than we're making it. Fear him, reverence him, put him in his rightful place where he is glorified as we sang this morning that he might receive all of our adoration and our focus. And this is the final word. Fear God, do what he tells you. Because if we don't do what he tells us, there's consequences to that too, right? And that's it. Sounds pretty simple. So I ask myself, am I fearing God? Am I doing what he tells me to do? Am I walking with him moment by moment? In our busyness, we might think, there's plenty of time to get my act together. Plenty of time to get my act together. I'm this age or I'm that age or somewhere in between. I got all kinds of time. I can go ahead and try this, do that, and uh, I'll get around to it sometime. Now, Solomon, at the end of his book, addresses this. And he says, whether you're young or whether you're old, it makes no difference because we must fear God and obey what he tells us. Fear God and obey what he tells us, no matter what age we are, 
because there's a sense of urgency to all of this. And here's what Solomon wrote. I find this fascinating. So we'll start with the old folk first. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life, but let them also remember there may or will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. Oof. Now, this passage, next passage, is very intriguing to me. It's a, a description of getting older. Remember God when the light of the sun and moon and stars is dim to your old eyes and there's no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to do their work and you will be blind too. So we've got, to look, we've got a lot to look forward to, don't we? Huh? And when your teeth are gone, I love this little segue here. And when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. Please do that. You should always chew with your mouth closed, right? Okay, but he's just reminding us, when your teeth are all gone, make sure you close your mouth when you eat. He's such a practical guy. Even the chirping birds will wake you up, but you yourself will be deaf and tuneless with a quavering voice. You'll be afraid of heights and of falling. White-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. You'll be standing at death's door, and as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the streets. Whoa! Look what we got to look forward to! Wow! So then he turns his attention to young people. He says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything. You do. Hmm. So refuse to worry. Keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. And from the youngest person in here to the oldest, it's all the same. He goes on to say, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Huh. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young. And so from the youngest to the oldest, he has the same message for all of us. Fear God. Do what he says. Keep it simple. Now, as we consider all this, I'm done for today. I wonder how is God speaking to us? Because you are here because you love God and you want to know him more. You want to do that in a corporate setting. I respect and honor that. And yet God is speaking constantly to us. What is he saying to you? In light of his word, what is he saying? Are we fearing him, reverencing, honoring him? Are we obeying what he tells us to do? Are we still attempting to find meaning and purpose and satisfaction in life by all of these other things and running away from the one true source that will bring some meaning and purpose to this life. What is he saying? What is he saying? You understand when God speaks, it will be a specific and concrete word about who he is. Hear me carefully. When God speaks, it's a word about who he is. He's not so much telling what he wants us to do because he's far more concerned about his relationship with us than what we can think we can do for him. He doesn't need any help, folks. 
He wants a relationship. And so it'll be a specific and very, very concrete, right to our souls, custom made just for us about who he is. And he'll also identify the bad news we're believing about who he is and a bit of bad news we're believing about ourselves. And what that does is it silences all the garbage that's going on in our head. Like, you're a failure. You're a hypocrite. You're never going to make it. You're no good. You're ugly. You're fat. You're stupid. You think you know something, you don't. You think you're a Christian, you're not. All of that garbage that's constantly bombarding us is silenced when we learn to listen to the specific word that God has for us about who he is and the lie that we're believing about him or ourselves. It's an amazing kind of process to go through. And he puts his finger right smack on it. Right here. Right now. This is what you believe in. It's not right. Put your eyes back on me. Watch what I can do with this. It's an amazing kind of thing. So I'd like to take a moment as we close this morning and listen. Just listen for what God is saying to us. Fear God, do what he says, and that's it. Sounds way too simple, but it's so profound. And again, our destiny is not determined by our desire. It's determined by a decision that we make that we act upon right now. So what is God saying to you? Not to the person next to you that you want them, or I wish they would hear from God. No, to you, right now, what is he saying? And it'll be a message just for you. Let's take a moment and listen for him, shall we? Let's pray together, church. Father, I am just so very grateful that you are speaking to us. And yet we need to learn how to hear your voice amidst all the chaos and confusion of life. Tune our ear to hear you, O Lord. And like Samuel Might we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening.
And Father, I'm grateful that you are, in fact, speaking. I'm grateful that even when I was speaking, you were speaking to me about something in my life. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you're constantly at work, drawing us into that love relationship with you, pursuing us relentlessly with your love. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you. And I pray, Lord, that across this auditorium, you will be exposing the lies of the enemy, encountering with the truth. Jesus, you are the truth, and the truth will set us free. And we can leave here different than when we walked in. And we're not looking for uh, some kind of quick fix. Uh, We want to do this for the long haul. And there are some people in this room right now that that are incredibly frustrated there are people in this room that are incredibly discouraged and there are people in this room right now that are depressed and there are people in this room right now i'm convinced that are thinking is life really worth living and i'm asking father for just your spirit to blow through this place with freshness and life and hope and peace And that this would be a safe place where we can bring to you our weaknesses and find the freedom that comes when we do this thing together in community as our faith is supposed to be lived out with each other. Father, we resist the temptation to isolate ourselves. We resist the temptation to to back into a corner and listen to the lie that we're the only one going through this. Lord, together, together, the church, your body. Help us, Lord. And just as you're speaking to us individually, speak to families. And and Lord, speak to the entire church and give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And I'm grateful, Father, for this group of people assembled today. I'm grateful for the truth of your word. And Lord, help me this week as I go out to reverence you, to do what you tell me, and to keep it simple. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Might this be continued in our thinking and our searching this week. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.